Some of you are still wondering what just happened. You're wondering what, what just happened. How did that make you feel? We, I did that on purpose. The reason that we don't have, I won't have a band on stage today, the reason that I just stopped you abruptly during a song, because I want to talk to you about disruptions in life. And I could talk to you about disruptions, but it's also good to feel what a disruption feels like. For what we've experienced the past 18 months with COVID-19 and our nation and the world being disrupted, our lives being disrupted, that's what happened. See, see, you were expecting another song. You were expecting myself or Pastor Keith to come up and then pray for you. You were expecting a giving talk, then a sermon bumper, then the sermon. So you, you had a certain way you thought things would go. And this is how we feel about life too, right? Like, like in life, we just think life's linear, that, that things will always continue just like this, and that's how it's going to go. But as you know and as I know, that's not how life goes, is it? There's disruptions in life. And like I said, we face a disruption with the world, with the church, with everything, with COVID-19. And the key to disruptions is how we learn to respond to them in life. It's not a matter of if they will happen to you. It's a matter of when. And so many times in the name of faith, we say, well, if you have enough faith, nothing bad will happen to you. If you have enough faith, no, everything will always work out and go just as planned. The problem is that's not biblical. Because as I look at the book of Acts and I look at the Apostle Paul, who's one of the greatest leaders ever, this happened to him over and over and over again. It was a life of disruptions. And if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1. Because you're going to look at Paul who had planned and prepared and wanted to go certain routes to share the gospel. And every time he planned and prepared and worked to get there, something happened. And particularly with the church at Rome. Paul, as you guys uh, you know, know, was one of the greatest Christians ever. So if you think that if you know, you're a really good, if there's certain things a good Christian, if you think, man, if I'm really close to God, things will always go right. Doors will always open. I'll never get a bad report, never get bad news, I'll never have any disruptions. That's the wrong way to think because the Apostle Paul, who I believe was the greatest Christian ever, right? Like we're here today because of him. If you're not a Jew because he was ministering to non-Jews, he had this happen all the time. And Paul wanted to go to the church at Rome for many reasons. Well, one was because he, was, he had dual citizenship. He was a Roman citizen and he was a Jew. And so he knew what God was doing in this major metropolitan area of Rome, and he wanted to go there to minister. But secondly, there were a lot of non-Jews getting saved there. The church had sprung up. Paul didn't start this church. And he had a heart for non-Jews. As you know, Paul's ministry was to what they called the Gentiles. That's me and you. That's non-Jews. And he wanted to go there to see what God was doing among them. But as you're going to see in a few minutes, Paul had another ulterior motive. Paul wanted to go to Spain to preach the gospel. And his, in his mind, his plan, if I could hop to Rome and connect with that church there and get them on my side, they could fund me to get to Spain. And you'll see that Paul did. He, he needed their ministry resources so he could preach the gospel to, uh, to Spain. And as we look at Paul's life and especially what he wanted to see happen in Rome, you're going to see one theme over and over he planned, he prepared, God didn't let it happen for some reason. And that's sometimes how life goes. And when it came to Rome, the same thing happened. He writes this in Romans chapter 1, verse 10. As he's writing to this church, he says, One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, 
to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, and watch this, guys. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. No matter of fact, he says until now, he didn't make it to the Roman church, the Roman church, the church at Rome to visit them. He says, I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles or non-Jews. Then look at Romans 15, the end of the letter, he gives us some insight that you've got to see here. In Romans 15, 22, he's closing the letter out. It's one of the longest letters that we have, one of the best in the New Testament. It's like the, the cornerstone of the New Testament. He says, in fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in these places. He had mentioned them earlier. But now I have finished my work in these regions, and after all these long years of waiting, I am eager to visit you. This is on Paul's third missionary journey. This is the end of Paul's life, and he still had this desire to get to Rome. And he says this, And I am planning to go to Spain, and when I do, I love this part, I will stop off in Rome, and after I enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. <laughs> Yeah, Paul closes with that, right? He writes one of the best you know, letters ever in the New Testament. And he says, you're going to help me get there, by the way. You don't know that yet, but uh, yeah, you're, you're going to. And Paul ended up getting to Rome, but it was not on Paul's terms. Paul ended up one day going to the Jewish temple, and he brought a couple guys with him to do a, an offering there and to kind of like prove to, to James and John and Peter that he's actually, no, no, I am Jew. I'm, 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 I'm Jewish. So he brings some boys to the Jewish temple, do a shave offering, and in that act, he's arrested, and then he, is, he keeps a, appealing to go to Caesar. He wants to go talk to Caesar. He wants to get to Rome and go talk to Caesar. So he does make it to Rome, and at the end of the book, uh, the book of Acts, he's sitting there under house arrest, writing letters and ministering, but he never makes it to the Roman church in his terms. He had a disruption, or maybe we say many disruptions, happen. And today, what I want to show you as you look at his life and you think sometimes when disruptions happen that something's wrong, that maybe God's upset with me, uh, why is this happening to me, that if it happened to him, guess what? It can happen to us as well. But here's the thing I want you to write down this morning, because here's what I get. As I look at the book of Acts and Paul's life and what he wrote to, uh, to, to the church at Rome, here's what you need to know this morning. And write this in your notes is this. Disruptions help us follow divine directions. Disruptions. Help us follow divine directions. So many times in life, we have things planned out. We have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, or whatever that plan is, and disruptions happened. But it's in those disruptions that God can use those to put you on a path that you never thought you would be before. That happened for the Apostle Paul over and over again. As a matter of fact, it says in Acts 16, and, and like Luke writes this, he says, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. Why did they do that? Why did they travel through there? Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Their, their disruptions helped them follow divine directions. We have the book of Galatians today because Paul was able to go preach in Galatia to that group there and see God do an amazing work. And I want you to understand that when disruptions happen in your life, 
A lot of times we get stressed out, which I understand. I do too. We, we get full of anxiety. I, I, I do too. We get angry. I get angry as well when things don't go as planned. Matter of fact, my first review ever as an employee, I worked for my dad's company, and he made sure they were really mean to me. Didn't want to give any, any. He, they said, anytime we give, you're doing a task and we ask you to do something else, you get really upset and we can tell. Because I'd throw the shovel down. I was like, you know, I, I, I get upset. So I know how you feel. I don't like being taken off my normal routine. Like I'm traveling next week to go train pastors. My routine of eating in the gym time is messed up and I'm not happy about it. I'm trying to figure out how do I keep my routine. We don't like that. And I understand that. I feel you. But it's in those times that God will help us follow His divine directions for His life. And over COVID-19, maybe there was a job loss. Maybe there was something where you got relocated. Maybe in life you had the relationship in that you thought would last forever and you had nothing you could do about it. Maybe you had someone who got caught up with an addiction. I don't know what it is for you, but disruptions come all the time. But when those disruptions happen, it's super important for us to understand in our life that God may be allowing some divine directions to take place. Now, now, now for, for me and you, there's, we have to understand this. There's a big difference between an interruption and a disruption. All right? Big difference. Because the problem is if you, if you treat these disruptions as interruptions, it's going to mess your life up. When God disrupts something, he, 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 he totally changes it. So, for instance, an interruption is this. And write this down. An interruption means the timing has changed some. That's an interruption. The timing's changed. For instance, you're, you're ready to fly somewhere, and you look on that screen, as you always do, and it says delayed, right? That's the thing we never want to see. Because being stuck in an airport is the closest thing to being st- to, to hell that I can tell you that will be. <laughs> and it's delayed. It means you're still going to your destination, correct? You're just delayed from getting there. That's an interruption. And many of us thought that COVID-19 was just an interruption in life. How many times did you catch yourself, and even now I say this, I can't wait to get back to normal. It wasn't an interruption. It was a disruption. Here's what a disruption means. A disruption means that the path will greatly or change greatly. The path will change greatly. It means not only will your route change, but probably your destination will change too. So imagine you're flying somewhere, and it doesn't just say flight delayed. It says you, you're going to a different destination. You're like, whoa, I, I, didn't, I did not sign up to go here. When I bought this ticket, I signed up to go to this place. And when disruptions happen in life, it means that sometimes your destination will change greatly too. And it means that you're not, you won't end up at the same place you thought you were in your mind and what you had planned. Now, and that happened to Paul over and over again. He said, I planned many times to visit you. Paul was a man of prayer. It wasn't like he was just like making plans in the flesh and arbitrarily just coming up with things. Paul was prayerfully, and he was fasting about going to these places to share the gospel. Like we're, we're talking about vacations and we get delayed on and we're upset. <laughs> he was actually sharing the gospel. And a disruption means that your destination will change in life. And can I encourage you about this? Because when it comes to flights, you have a pilot and you have an air traffic controller. See, the pilot doesn't have on his screen where every plane in that region is at. He, he can't tell you, you know, flight, you know, 
seven five seven nine nine is coming in at this time, or, or this one's delayed. But there's an air traffic controller that has greater perspective than that pilot has, that can see more than the pilot sees and knows more than the pilot knows. And the air traffic controller will, will you know, beam into that pilot and say, hey, look, we've got a problem that you can't see that we need to change your destination. We need to land you here. Like I, one time I landed in the, in the middle of Alabama in the middle of nowhere, and they just left us there for like hours because there was a problem. And I want you to be encouraged that when things happen, your heavenly Father may know something you don't know. He may see something that you don't see. And He says, hold up, I, I, know, you wanted, I, I know this was your plan, but I'm trying to protect you and help you. And sometimes, amen, sometimes disruptions in life are actually there to protect us, not to hurt us. Now, we have to understand this, too, because one of the things that we have to know is that the devil's not always causing disruptions. The first thing we usually do is we, we, we rebuke the enemy. We get real spiritual. We quote things we heard grandma say. <laughs> Plead the blood of Jesus over this situation. Like, we, you have no idea what it means, but grandma said it, and if she said it, it was good, Right? We start speaking in King James, we're like, get thee behind me, Satan. Like, we just really go into it. But sometimes disruptions, I want you to write this down, it comes from God. Sometimes God allows or even causes a disruption. And, and, and it says here, I want to show you the, the scripture for that. It says, Acts 16, 7, we just read Acts 16, 6. Paul says again, he says, or Luke says about Paul, then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. And watch this. But again, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, did not allow them to go there. They had plans over and over and over again to go places, and God shut those plans down. Noble purposes. They weren't going there to party. They weren't going to Vegas to gamble. They were going to share the gospel somewhere, and God said, no, no, I don't need you there. And I'm sure there were some misunderstandings on their part, wondering why, why God is doing this, why God would allow this. You know, the Apostle Paul many times, you know, faced disappointment and discouragement when that happened. And we'll talk about that a little later. But if you face it, it's okay. But God will do that to you. God will prevent you from getting that certain job that you thought you had to have, that certain relationship with that person that you thought that you were supposed to be with, that, that house you, were, you thought you were supposed to live in that you didn't get the contract on. God will allow disruptions. Why? Because He has divine directions. Now, the second area, and we do have to talk about this, sometimes Satan will prevent you from doing things. Now, before I share the Scripture with you, let's just call a timeout. Let's huddle together. Let me talk to you real quick. Number one, a couple of little Disclaimers here is that Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. So just understand that. Now, we know he does have demonic forces working and influencing us to, to sin and do different things and get off God's track in life. But can we just be super honest in church today? None of us are probably on, on Satan's most wanted list. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, I mean, I'm being serious. Like Paul says here, and look at this. He says, we wanted, in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, we wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. Now, Paul was, was again, doing, he was going to, to regions that had never heard the gospel. 
They had never heard of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and him being the only way to heaven and you can be saved and forgiven. They'd never heard it. He was going there planting churches and preaching the gospel. He was number one on Satan's list in the first century. Like he was the man. Friends, I'm not even probably on that most wanted list. There are probably people right now, there are pastors in Afghanistan that are leading that church there that Satan hates and he wants to kill them. There are leaders in China who, yeah, their, their bands aren't on like, you know, CCLI Top 40 on the radio. You've never seen them on social media preaching, but there's probably pastors in underground China that are doing phenomenal works there that Satan wants to take out. I don't think you and I are high on the list. Now, sometimes, let me say, the enemy does get involved in things and disrupts things in our life. Um, I don't believe it's always like Bobby Boucher, you know, like his mama said, it's the devil, Bobby, it's the devil. <laughs> I don't believe it's always the devil doing things. Um, and to just to blame the devil on something is very dangerous because sometimes God gets involved with it. And then the final reason of why disruptions happen, life happens. My hot water heater broke down. The devil came in in the middle of the night and broke it down. My shower was cold. And I became lukewarm in my faith. I knew what he was trying to do. <laughs> he didn't do that. I woke up. Tire was flat. Got late to work because a demon came in and just, just he stuck the nail in my tie. I know it. Tires go flat. Hot water heaters, they just break. Your TV's going to get old. Wi-Fi is not going to work. Technology, the number one rule we learned in public speaking back in my day was your technology will fail you. Always be, production team, be ready. At any moment in time, your technology will always fail you. Life just happens sometimes. And so there's times in my life I've had disruptions happen, and I didn't know if it was God, Satan, or just life, right? And sometimes we try to be Sherlock Holmes. We're like getting out the magnifying glass and trying to put clues together. Well, if God did this and then this and then, and, and truth of the matter is, it doesn't really matter where the disruption comes from. But here's what does matter, and I want you to write this down. This is super important. Our response to the disruption is the most important part. My response and your response to these disruptions in life, that's the most important part. I don't care where it comes from. Because Paul had God prevented him. He had Satan prevented him. He probably had donkeys break down. <laughs> right? Camels, you know, camel hooves break, you know, hurt. I mean, I mean, he probably had things that happened in his life as well. The key is how you respond. See, we, we live in a society that teaches us this, and it's upside down. They teach you that life is 90% what happens to you and 10% how you respond. And that's, that's a victim mentality. That's a wrong way of thinking. Life is not 90% what happens to you. You find anybody in life who's done anything and overcome any obstacle, that's not how they think. Life is 10% what happens to you, watch this, and 90% how you respond. It's all about the response. Find someone going through a tough situation who've been through a tough situation and find out their response to it, which determines their character. And so when disruptions happen, what I want to do is reshape your response to disruptions. Because it's not a matter of if, right? It's a matter of when you're going to get the call. It's a matter of when the unexpected happens. And it doesn't catch God by surprise, but it catches us by surprise. And we've got to learn to respond correctly to it. And so here's my fear, though. If we don't embrace divine disruptions in life, we will only see it as an interruption. If you don't embrace divine disruptions, when they happen, just embrace. I'm not saying like it. I'm not saying you love these disruptions, but you've got to embrace it because that's part of reality. The counselor that I went to several years, years ago said, Kevin, you've got to stop trying to pray reality away and embrace it. 
This is what it is. Like you're trying to pray pain away all the time. This is what life is. And he helped me understand what it meant to embrace things in life. And we have to embrace these divine disruptions. And if not, because if not, you're going to see it only as an interruption. And when you make that mistake, you keep pushing on with something. You keep pushing forward with something when God is saying, no, 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 no. I wanted you to take a different route. I was trying to go a different place. I, I was trying to do something different, but you just kept pushing right on through it. Because you only saw that as an interruption in life. And these divine disruptions are so important. Guys, I wouldn't be here today without divine disruption. Some of you know the story. Nine and a half years ago, I was in South Florida planting a church. I was getting, I had a good suntan back then, living on the beach, right? And God began to disrupt things in my life. And life happened. Satan probably got involved too. My mom had terminal cancer. And she lived only a couple hours from here. And things began to shift in my heart. And I was wondering, what is God doing? What is God doing? What is God doing? Everything was disrupted because we had planned to, to die in that city in Florida. We wanted to buy burial plots there. We've been planning for five years, my wife and I had. Before we ever got married, we were planning and fasting and praying to go to that city and plant a church and live there forever. In my plan, Richmond, Virginia was nowhere on the map. I had been to Richmond twice before. And if you're a local Richmonder, you're going to know this. So I played in a punk rock band, a Christian punk rock band, and we used to play some of the worst venues because we played with non-Christian bands and hung out with them and just, you know, just were you know, Jesus followers in the midst of them. And we played in a place called The Hole in the Wall. A few people laughed. You know what it is. You can look it up in Richmond. It was really a hole in the wall. And it was nasty. It was scary. Like literally we drove three hours north to Richmond. We played the show in the hole in the wall. somewhere off Cary Street. I don't know where it's at now. But, and we got in the van and we drove straight home. They, we didn't even wait to get paid. I was like, man, we're going to die here in this, in this place. Let's, guys, I mean, seriously, we've been some really bad places with punk rock scene. That was bad. And so we just got, the next time we played in Richmond, it was really awkward. It was an 11 p.m. show. It was somewhere in an upper room type place, not like the spiritual one, but like an upper room, upper room place. And there was a band that, like the two bands we played with just did like Nirvana covers. That's all I remember. They played a lot of Nirvana, and we weren't like Nirvana. I used to like Nirvana, and we weren't like I was like, this is weird. We played the show. Pretty cool people. We got paid that time. But Richmond wasn't like my destination. It wasn't like, you know, the Lord has shown me, and I'm going to come here and do this. It was nowhere to be found. But we have come to love this place, right? Like Thrive Church, I'd never pictured being here in my life. But it's all because of a disruption that God did that. We came here nine and a half years ago with 20 of the most amazing senior citizens and a few young adults, and we said, hey, let's start a brand new church in this building. They said, let's do it. And we're here today because of that. So I want to encourage you to embrace these disruptions in life. Embrace them. And so if you're taking notes, write this down, because here's what you're going to have to do. Here's what I've had to do and I will have to do. Dive into your divine disruptions. Dive into it. When it happens, dive into it. Don't reject it. Don't rebuke it. Don't try to get away from it. The disruption has happened, and you've got to dive into it. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and, and you guys know the Scripture. like you could, you could finish it. But take it in context of what Paul had experienced. End of his ministry. Plans kept going awry every time. 
And now Paul writes this here, Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know that God causes everything. He doesn't cause everything, but he causes everything to do what? To work together. To work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Every time he was prevented, he was prevented, he was prevented. Paul was saying, look, look, here's what I've learned, though. I've learned to dive into the disruption because my heavenly Father's at work. And friends, I want to encourage you today, dive into your disruption because your heavenly Father is always at work in every situation that you are going through. I don't care how dark it looks. I don't care how depressed um, that you are going through it. He is at work in it. And Paul said, I know one thing. I know God will cause everything to work. Whether it's God, whether it's Satan, or whether it's just life happens, he'll mix it all together, and he'll make it work together for the good of those who are called, the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And I want to encourage you in that today. When you face these disruptions, and you're full of anxiety and stress, you feel your heart beating faster, and you're worried about what the future's going to hold, pause. I said, God, I, I'm going to dive into this with prayer because I trust you. you know, my, my wife and I had a situation happen way back in 2008, and she wanted to go to a certain school. And she got rejected from every school to go, to go be a PA. She's, not, she's a PA now, but I'd uh, be a physician assistant. And I'll never forget, man, one school called her back and said, hey, we, you know, we, we got this interview for you. There's two spots open. It was only 30 minutes from our hometown where we were living. I just got a job with my local church. They actually hired me. You know, I got straight out of college. They said, we'll, we'll give you a job. And we thought, man, God is lining everything up just for this. And my wife goes into that interview, and we get the letter that Saturday that she was rejected for the position. And she had to wait a whole year, rejected from five schools, wondering if she would ever get into school. Now, that disruption there, here's what happened. Six months later, she got accepted to a school in Florida where we eventually planted our church that we had planned to do. And over and over again, we have seen God with divine disruptions begin to work together for His purposes in our life. I want to encourage you in that. But here's two things you've got to do now. Two things. The first one is this. When you face these divine disruptions is this. Minimize the disappointed attitude. Now, let me explain. It's okay to be disappointed when things don't go your way, right? I mean, that's just, an, listen, Proverbs says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It does. I mean, that's just a natural part of life. Like, you know, like the end of joy is grief. It's like, yeah, that's, that's right, Solomon. It's natural to like have your hope set for something. It doesn't happen. You get disappointed. But you cannot let those feelings overshadow you to the point that you forget Romans eight twenty eight. You can't let those feelings of disappointment of the doors shutting, of things changing, overshadow the fact that your heavenly Father's at work, right? And so you have to minimize the disappointed attitude. I told you earlier that Paul had a disappointed attitude. You'll say, no, he didn't. He was, yes, he did. Please stop trying to think that everybody in the Bible was Superman. They weren't. They were extremely human, and Paul was too. Paul was so hurt by people in ministry, so hurt, that he wrote this about one guy in Scripture. You go look this up later on. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, and I pray the Lord repay him for his evil. That was Paul, y'all. It wasn't David in the Old Testament, and none under grace, and none of the Holy Spirit. And this was Paul ticked off at this guy. I don't know what Alexander Coppersmith did to him, but he is in the Bible forever known for hurting Paul. You just don't want to do that. Like, you know, 
Uh, like, you know, don't, don't, you know, if, if you're in the first century, don't hurt the guys who write the Bible because you'll be in there forever. This is not Facebook, can't be deleted. But Paul knew what Jesus said about, you know, bless your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and all that. And then he says, repay him for his evil. That's not Christian. That's, that's not what, that's not Christ-like. Why would Paul do that? Because he was hurt, people. He was hurt. The man did him wrong, and it hurt him deeply. He faced disappointment just like you're going to face disappointment. He was disappointed in people that didn't come through, people that said they'd do one thing and didn't, disappointed in opportunities that didn't come to pass. But what he learned and what you've learned, you've got to learn, i got to learn, is just minimize that disappointed attitude. Just minimize it because you know your Heavenly Father is at work. Matter of fact, my son, uh, this happens to him. He is like, him and my wife have this, this mentality that when they think in their mind how something's going to turn out, it's got to be perfect. Like, for me, I just grew up really poor, so, it, you know, if I got anything, like, you know, my mom always got the knockoff stuff, <laughs> so I never got the thing that, like, looked really cool or was cool. You know, there's always the knockoff brand of something, so I was, you know, my expectations were super low in life. Theirs are just really high. Like, if you see something in a magazine, it's got to look exactly like it. Like, if you see something on TV, like, he gets wrapped in with these commercials. He's like, oh, Daddy, we've we got to get this. Look at it. I was like, bro, you know as well as I do that it's not going to do that. Like, I think we all learned that when you look at McDonald's commercials at the Quarter Pounder with Cheese. I don't know where McDonald's got that Quarter Pounder with Cheese, but it is on that commercial, but that is not what they sell. Amen? <laughs> they got from some other store somewhere else. And you get that little sad Quarter Pounder with Cheese they got, which we shouldn't be eating anyway, and you get that and you're like, what is this? And this happened to my son recently. So he, he uh, found this little Lego motorcycle online, he, we, and we ordered it, and it came in. And, and um, so I, I was upstairs doing some laundry. I said, well, put it together, then, then we'll, we'll play together, buddy. So okay. So he comes upstairs. I could just see, like, life was sucked out of his face. He was just like, there was no, like, he, he just kind of had all the pieces together, and he just kind of walks in. He's like, and, and, and he, he's learned, like, he's learned to not, you know, talk trash about things I buy or I just won't buy them anymore. Um, and so he comes, and he says, uh, it's okay. I mean, if, 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 if you want to play with it, you can. It's, I'm like, what's wrong with it? And he, he says, well, and so he just, he, he, just, he, put, he put it together for me real quick. He says, the little man just doesn't sit on it like, 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 like a real motorcycle. Like he's kind of propped up. It looks, and, he just, and he's really upset about that. I was like, that's fine, buddy. I'll, I'll use this one. And, and he was so disappointed with this little Lego motorcycle because it wasn't exactly like he expected in life. But he learned something to minimize the disappointed attitude. And he came to me and said, well, you can have this one. It, it's okay. I, I'm, I, and you could tell he was really working hard at it. Like one time I bought him a Hot Wheels. It was the same as the one he already had. He said, oh, no, but, but it's fine. Having two is good. Having two is good. You could tell it was not good. <laughs> Face was, it's fine. So, but here's what I did. I said, I'll I, I tell you what, buddy. We're, we're going to order you another motorcycle. And I'll have one and you'll have one when we play together. He could trust me that I would work on his behalf with something that disappointed him. See, we've got to come to our Heavenly Father with the same expectation that when we come to our Heavenly Father, that He's going to work on your behalf for that thing. To have faith that God's going to work that thing out, right? He's going to work together for the good of those that love Him who are called. So minimize the disappointed attitude. I know you're disappointed, but trust that your Heavenly Father is going to, he's going to get you that Lego thing. It, it, it'll be great, right? Here's the second thing we have to do this morning, the final thing. Maximize the new opportunity. When disruptions happen, and you see this all through Paul's ministry, he said, we begin to preach other places. We went to Phrygia and Galatia and all the words you can't even pronounce, right? Mysia and Bithynia. He wanted to go to Spain. 
Never made it. But he maximized the other opportunities that he had. He pulled himself together with his feelings. He trusted God by faith and maximized new opportunities. See, for you, when the job loss happens, it's a new opportunity for you. God's got a new opportunity. The relationship goes south, and you thought, man, this was, why did this happen this way? We don't know why. We may not figure out why, but there may be a new opportunity for you. I recently heard this lady uh, online, excuse me, on the radio, and the story really gripped my heart. She got diagnosed with terminal cancer, and they were sharing on the radio how when she was diagnosed, she wrote her first book. She's lived for two years with terminal cancer. Her first book was about living with cancer and fighting cancer and chemotherapy and radiation. But as she got closer to the end there and she knew time was coming up, she was a follower of Jesus. She wrote a book called Embracing Eternity or something of that nature. And this book was about looking at eternity and looking at death soberly as a follower of Jesus for cancer patients. And she wanted cancer patients, especially those who didn't know Jesus, to understand the hope we have in Jesus. And that she wanted those who do know Jesus to have encouragement of what the Scriptures are saying. She's with the Lord today. She died of cancer, and she's with the Lord. Her book is still making impact right now because she maximized an opportunity with a disruption in her life that she had never planned. And there's no telling how many people one day are going to shake her hand when they get to heaven and say, your book changed my life. Because you've got you to minimize a disappointed attitude and you've got to maximize a new opportunity. I talked to someone earlier today. It's like, man, I haven't been here in forever. I've been tuning in on church online. And do, do you realize that Thrive, when COVID hit, for the church, it was the biggest disruption ever in church history. A lot of churches thought it was an interruption. They just kind of want to go back to n- normal again. For us, we knew it was a disruption. And what we were told was this, was that your online church can't be a streaming service anymore. It has to be with online hosts and with engagement. It will now be a viable option for those who attend your church that they can actually, they can't make it on Sunday, they're going to attend there. Online virtual groups will now be a, a thing that people will attend and be a part of. There are people watching online today that are attending church here. And we had to pivot, guys. When it happened, we didn't have online church. When COVID hit, March 1st was our last in-person service. We were maxed out at both services, man. It was absolutely bonkers. We had to pivot in one week. Actually, it was in two days because we found out we're going to be shut down in two days. I came here. We shot just a sermon. We had none of this stuff here, none of it. Now, thankfully, we've been super wise with our finances, didn't go into any debt to get any of this stuff. And thank you for your generosity with it. But here's what we did. We were supposed to do, start doing online at the end of this year. That was our plan before COVID. We ever knew COVID existed. We had to stop, pivot, and maximize a new opportunity. To say, oh, Paul, new opportunity. And now we have a viable online church. And thank you for all of those who are serving online today, who are hosts, who do that. It's amazing what you're doing. Not only that, but when COVID hit, we had to get creative because our volunteer numbers got sliced. Like we were just working with skeleton crews. This is what happened. One opportunity was this. Our students moved into the sanctuary to have worship service on Wednesdays. If you have a middle school or high school student, they worship here on Wednesdays. Uh, Sophia and Tay are two that lead that group would worship. Right now, everything you see up there on screen, if you're watching online, it's all middle school and high school students. 
Amen? That's crazy. Like, like I have high school students coming to me and telling me what, what we're going to do today. And, and, and here's how it's going to work. And here's the plan. You just watch them. They, they get here early. Students don't wake up and do early for anything, right? You're like, how do I get them out of bed? I don't know how we get them out of bed. They get here and they run this stuff. It was a new opportunity that we maximized. There are people who did not serve, watch this, did not serve before COVID, and now they're running teams. They're leading teams. We watch people rise to the surface. They had it in them the whole time that we never knew was in them until skeleton crews happened. And they just rose up like, man, this, this person's a rock star. Like, where, where have they been our whole life? See, for you, you have opportunities as well when disruptions happen. And what I had to do, I had to minimize my, I was disappointed, guys. Listen, that was the hardest season ever with the church. It's hard. Pastors, man, I've never seen so many resign, quit, and leave ministry altogether. But I minimized the, the disappointed attitude when we, we begin to maximize the new opportunities that we had. And I want to encourage you as you leave here today, you're going to face disruptions. I mean, Jesus told you. He said, you're going to have trouble in the world. I mean, he, Jesus didn't come to make life better. He came to make you better at life. So don't, don't think because I serve Jesus, he's going to make just everything smooth and it's going to be good. You're going to face disruptions. But my prayer for you is that when you face them and your family faces them, you're going to embrace them, you're going to dive into them, and you're going to treat them differently because God may be giving you a disruption to help you do what? Follow a divine direction that you never would have chosen in your life. Let's pray this morning. Father, I just ask for everybody in here today, to help, help us, Lord. We, we need help when it comes to this disruption stuff. We're not good with it. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to embrace disruptions. Help us to trust you that you're always at work with any and everything that happens. So we pause this morning and we trust you with that, Lord. And, Father, help us when those things come to maximize the opportunities that you're going to give us, Lord. And as we're praying today, church, in this moment of prayer, the greatest disruption you can ever have is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the greatest disruption ever because he's going to disrupt your life in a good way. Maybe you've come to church this morning. Maybe you're watching online and you know you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know you want that change. You know you want to be either reconnected to your Heavenly Father or for the first time ever you're going to surrender to Jesus, no matter who you are or where you're at. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Make this confession of faith, as it says in the book of Romans. You say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I cannot save myself. I need Jesus. I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that He rose again on the third day. Now I believe He's the only way to heaven. Today, God, I repent. I leave my old life behind, and I embrace Your new life. I receive full forgiveness of sins. Thank You, God, for receiving me as your child today. In Jesus' good name we pray.